0: Well, greetings and welcome to, uh, for what is us, for us, a morning edition of The uh, Dividing Line. Um, unusual for us, but that's sort of how you have to schedule things these days. It's a really, really busy week for me. I'm not sure how it turned out to be quite that busy, uh, but uh, looking at the calendar, it's going to stay that way all the way through the debate in April and then back home for just a few weeks and then gone all of May. Um and, um, uh, that'll be exciting. And, uh, especially with the new, uh, the new unit. And, uh, speaking of all of that, uh, I understand, I'm not sure how this has happened yet, but Rich says he's ordering lights and cameras and things like that. And I'm going, I don't remember you even being in the unit long enough to measure anything. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not sure how that's happening, but, <clears throat> Uh, the, the work goes forward and uh, your support uh, helps us to be able to do all those things. We appreciate that. More on that later. Um, we have an email address. I have been asking for this for a while because 10 years ago uh, for our 30th anniversary, we had an email address. I forget what it was. It may have been testimonies at org. I don't know. But we had an email address and we just sort of threw it out there. We didn't do much for the 30th anniversary. Um, But again, if I haven't mentioned it for a while, uh, this coming August is our 40th anniversary for Alpha and Omega Ministries. That's pretty unusual for Christian Apologetics Ministries. And um, normally by now, uh, they've either been absorbed into somebody else um or have gone the way of the world or something uh just flitted off but uh we're we're still here us us old guys <laughs> we're still here as we, as I will show you in a moment the old guys are still here and um so anyway uh we put that email address up and it was a real blessing to me to be able to read through um the material that came in and obviously, you know, since 1983, we've we've been busy. You know, I, in fact, I was thinking about some of the people we need to make sure we get in contact with this year um, that either aren't associated with the ministry anymore, they're just moved away, did other things. Sadly, there's a bunch of guys we can't contact without engaging in the Um So uh you know uh, mark mcfall is gone and benny's gone um so that's sort of you know sobering uh to think about uh, things like that but um so if you if i guess the email address is active and so if uh if this ministry has been of um assistance and encouragement uh to you uh over the past Five years, let alone forty years. I mean, I, I want to hear from some of the folks that you know, long, long ago. Now long, long ago we were small and almost nobody knew who we were and stuff like that. But it was those were the years that lay the foundation for what comes later. Everybody wants to skip all that part. They want to skip all the um poverty part <laughs> and get straight to the whoo hoo part. Doesn't work that way. And um but if uh, if you would like to sort of join in uh, in uh, providing some of the celebration of the Lord's faithfulness and grace over the years, testimonies, plural, uh, at aomin.org. And um, I won't see those immediately, but I'll eventually have access to those. And uh, we would very much appreciate hearing from you. Uh, I stand... For hours after debates at G three, and get to listen to that type of stuff all the time. So it'd be nice to to have some of that in written form. It's it's one thing to have to to hear those things, uh, but I can't remember all of them. But if you have them in written form, that that's um, that lasts longer, and for us older folks, we remember it longer. <laughs> yes, sir.
1: Now I am told that some of the folks who write in, will should expect to be contacted back. Not everybody, but there are plans for some video recordings. Oh, okay. Where you might want to just be prepared to get in front of a camera or your cell phone or whatever and give that testimony in video form. Uh, It will be requested of you by the people who are monitoring But don't this let
0: thing. that stop you if you don't want to do it. No, a lot no. of people are be yeah. like, "No, no, 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 yeah. no I'm not not but doing that."
1: it's it's going to be one of those things to where as they read through if it's really uh something that uh they think is going to be worthwhile at uh, a particular event coming up um in early October, uh then um th- they'll they'll ask that of you. Okay. So just putting that out there
0: testimonies at aomin.org testimonies at aomin.org uh-oh uh let's see and know. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah so so yesterday i had lunch uh with uh the fine woman and her husband and family um that helps Jason Lyle. She's, she's Jason Lyle's uh, rich, I guess you might say. Um, so I had lunch uh, with Denise yesterday. They were going up to the Grand Canyon. So we got together and had lunch. And that was very enjoyable. Appreciated the opportunity to do that. She gave me a new copy of, um, in fact, I left it in the truck and I didn't bring the truck today. Um, she gave me a new copy of the Fractals book. They've put it out in hard copy now. If any of you picked up Jason Lyle's Fractals book, um, it was paperback. And it's now been put out in a hardback. And um, so I highly recommend that. It's great, great stuff. Uh, I'm not going to get into fractals right now, but uh, it's it's fascinating stuff. So uh, hit um, Biblical Science Institute and uh, pick up a new copy. But afterwards, I, just, I was going to pop over to the new RV. I had parked it on, I think, when did I park it? Saturday, I guess. Yeah, Saturday night. And we discovered that once you park it, you can't get into it. <laughs> I couldn't even get the door open far enough to start pulling the, the, the stairs out because, you know, these RV storage places are pretty tight, uh, which also means it's a little bit hair-raising getting, getting it in there because, you know, I don't want to damage ours. I certainly don't want to damage our neighbors. Um, and there is a big old pole because it's covered parking anyways. Uh, sort of necessary in Arizona. And um, so I go over there and yeah, I can't get the door open. And there was one thing I could do outside that I needed to get done, but I wanted to be able to get inside. There were a couple of things I wanted to do in there, like getting the refrigerator doors open. Um, Just one of those little things you got. And again, you know, it's amazing how much I learned from Derek Melton. Just in that one visit, because he let me look in his and they had the refrigerator sitting open. It's like, yeah, you don't, you gotta do that if you want to avoid mold, because uh, it happens. And it's like, oh, okay, thank you, Derek. I learned so much from you. If we had just listened to you on the on the on the diesel right up front, we, we would have we, that would have been helpful too. Anyway, so I'm driving away. I've already left. I, you have to little little keypad to get out. And all that. I've I've already left when when Rich calls and. And he's like, hey, I, I call the place and they have an open slot at, at down on the end, so there isn't somebody next to you. And uh, so I bang a you I go back. Point is I end up spending hours. Um, yesterday I wasn't expecting to spend. In the middle of all this, I get this note from Jeff Durbin. He says, I'm about to do a live video. Because he's found out about the Dead Man Walking podcast contest going on. Which I said initially when it first started, I'm like, you know what? We're up against cross-politic. Just vote for cross-politic and let us out of this. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We've we've done a lot with these things in the past. I remember when I was recording for Living Waters in Los Angeles in what? About 2017-ish? um, we had a big thing and it, it went down to the finals between the dividing line and sheologians me against my daughter for crying out loud. And, um, now that did result in summer going on the air and giving a concession speech that I really, I really wish I still had a recording of it. Cause it was, it was awesome. It was wonderful. Um, But then we had some less positive experiences. (laughs) The last big one where Jeff and I did a video and all the rest of this stuff and ended up going down to the finals and the the people actually running it were doing everything he could to get the other guy in the finals to win, which he did by like 0.1%. But that didn't turn out good. (laughs) That didn't turn out good at all. So I sort of got burned out about the whole thing. And so... He, Jeff has found out uh, that this is going on on Twitter. Now, the funny thing is, this is a Twitter poll. He doesn't do Twitter. He even says in this video, Twitter's a dumpster fire. So, I mean, he's almost insulting everybody that's in Twitter anyway, you know, and then wants you to go to Twitter, the dumpster fire, um, to vote for Apologia over the dividing line. So he does a 21-minute 20, <laughs> video which is absolutely Oscar worthy. It really is. I mean, he's really good at this because remember the last time he did this? He did this after getting out of the hospital from having seizures, which I think may still be affecting him. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's, it's possible. <laughs> anyway, um so I start listening to this thing while I'm driving home and I'm I'm just cackling um at what he's he has here's here's Jeff's best reasons for you not to vote for The Dividing Line, but to vote for Apology Radio, okay? The um, reason number one is that I have a fifth wheel. I, I have a fifth wheel trailer. So that's why you shouldn't vote for The Dividing Line. Because he doesn't, I guess. But Luke, Luke does. I think this is a pull behind. But Luke has an RV, so I'm not... Anyway. Um, secondly, he's tired... <laughs> And I just point out, I preached Sunday night, well, Sunday afternoon, uh, at Apologia. A sermon, I'm sure, has already made some of our critics um, just um, scholastically upset. But anyway, um, and I did that because Jeff was the one that was traveling. And there are a bunch of times I've filled in for Jeff because he was tired. But I'm tired. Well, you know. Yeah, okay. And third reason was um he's mean to Rich. He's mean to Rich. Now, I didn't know that you and Jeff were, you know, chatting much, Rich, um, at all.
1: All I can say is clearly he's taking advantage wherever he can.
0: <laughs> and yeah, I still because-
1: I, I still want to know what the deal is with this cardboard box that he has for an office that is clearly underground in some way, shape or form where he's Looking up all the time, you know, you, I don't get, I don't understand. That I'm at
0: looking all. at it right now and that's just the studios that it's just, yeah, that's just how they did it. Well, he
1: should have then appealed to the fact that he's, they're very, 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 very poor indigent, live on the streets and operate out of the streets. Cause that's what that looks like. You know, so I'm just saying. Oh,
0: wow. you know. Wow. you're never going to repeat that one again. Are you Jeff? Oh no, you're not. <laughs> So then, what happened is Isaac, who happens to be my deacon, by the way, just i mean that's just amazing um Isaac, who along with Carmen, were throwing objects rich uh, Jeff didn't even see all the objects that were being thrown at him he only he only saw the airplane but there there was other things being thrown at him at the same time um, Isaac interrupts him, and so he mentions that I'm old. That's my deacon speaking these words. Like I'm old. And that's why you should, shouldn't vote for the dividing lines. Cause I'm old. And the funny thing is that caused Jeff to skip number four, <laughs> whatever whatever it was. It just, just got, cause he's old became number five and number four just got skipped. And I'm sitting there going, you know, rich is older than I am. And so if, if I'm old, then he's saying Rich is very old, which is sort of mean. But he says I should be nicer to Rich. I'm not really sure. You know, normally Jeff's striving for some level of consistency, but um and then he started talking about, you know, doing dividing lines from the fifth wheel and sleeping only a few feet away and going ick and I'm sitting there going, look, I know every one of those guys has slept in the studios at some point or another. So don't even don't even I think they've probably slept on that big table that we do the 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 uh, apology radio stuff at such as last week's dialogue with Brandon Robertson. Um, I'm sure someone's camped out there uh, more than once. So that didn't make any sense. Um, But I just simply point out my my real concern is, you know, Jeff just had 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 a birthday just uh, a matter of days ago. And, uh, you know, he's heading toward 50. Um, he's not there yet. He's right in the middle of the forties, but he's, he's heading toward 50. And that, that weighs on some people's minds, you know, and, uh, he had shown up to church on Sunday night wearing a pink tie, a pink tie. And I'm, I was, I even said to him as, as soon as he walked up to me, because there's this, there's this little, um, not even half pew. It's just a, it's a two person pew that's on the side up toward the front, and that's sort of become mine ever since I became well. The pastor is an apology. I did, that's just where I sit, and it's not properly attached to the wall. So you've got to be really careful. If you sit on the edge of it, you will flip that baby over. I've seen people going whoa, whoa when they slide down it. So I'm the only one that really knows how to sit on it safely. Anyway, so he always comes up and greets me, and we say hi and stuff like that. He's wearing a pink tie. And so I asked him straight up. He'll tell you, I asked him, I said, are you trying to make up with Brandon Robertson for what happened earlier in the week? (laughs) And then I said, after the, after the video hit, I said, uh, were you wearing that tie just a little bit too tight? (laughs) So I think, so I, you know, I, I said in my written response to the video, I'm like, you know, but wait, wait a minute. Do you have, do you have this up here? Um, let, let me, let, us let's, let's get before we get to the serious stuff. Um, but yeah, here's, uh, here's, hopefully Jeff doesn't get hit, but with any flying stuff being thrown by Isaac and Carmen, uh, during this, but you, you got it. Okay. Here we go. Pierce a bit. Like, you know, that made me lose
2: the last competition. I will be nicer to rich. And that's, that's, that would help. I think it'd be a good. What's that? that and I think, well, that was like my fifth. Okay. Isaac says, did you mention that he's old? And I think that we kept brought one, two, three, four. That'll be the fifth reason is that he's just, he's, he's getting old guys. He's getting old. And, you know, he already has one of these in the chamber, one of these in the bucket. He's already won one of these. He's getting old with the fifth wheel. He's very tired. He's mean to rich. And so these are all very good reasons to go to the dead men walking podcast on Twitter and to click on apologia
0: over against the dividing line. The next thing is, is his quality. So if it's yeah, yeah. What well, that, what well, that was, that was where you got into, uh, you know, the, the quality of the programs in the, in the, in the unit, you know, which we're, which we're addressing, you know, when you think about it, that's, that's what the, you know, <clears throat> he not he's not going to have a mobile studio. No, no. And in fact, his mobile studio is to hold his phone in front of his face while walking around outside of buildings while he's traveling places. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly what it's all about. So, yeah, and uh, so you, as, I, it must be frustrating because as I pointed out, because I looked at the brackets and I thought, you know, this is going to end up being dividing line versus apologia again. And it must be frustrating because I win either way. It doesn't matter who wins; I win either way. Um, and so, you know, I, I so I said, you know, vote for Apologia just simply because, you know, Jeff's in a, in a sensitive time in his life right now. When, when, when a man, when a when a ninja starts wearing pink ties, you know, something's happening. Something's going on. We don't want to. We don't want to be, you know, causing any problems there. <laughs> I can't believe how many people on Twitter didn't get any of this. I mean, Steve camp, Steve, Steve came at me. And when I explained, he's like, Hey, sorry, I rough day. I missed it. Sorry. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll, we'll let that one slide. But other people were like, "It really sounds like you're complaining. You're being mean. It's just like, (laughs) could we could we be humans just once in a while, please? In the midst of all this trans insanity and everything else, can we can we smile and laugh? Yes, sir. <laughs> that's right. Yep. <clears throat> that's so. Uh, that's a that's a live gif from uh, from Rich of so what's going on in the should, world. Should
1: I um, should I uh, do the other part about being called old? I mean, since I am the oldest of, of oh, the of, you know of Eric all just
0: sent me Summers. Um, concession speech thank oh, you Oh, excellent eric i i needed that i excellent yeah this was <clears throat> i yeah i don't remember what the date was i maybe it'll show when i click on it. i can't click on it right now obviously but i do want to look at that um but uh by the way just before i forget this jeff said i've already got one of these uh uh-huh. we've we've got like four or five of them Yeah, yeah in fact I can't think of one that I, that I actually knew I was in yeah. that we didn't win.
1: Yeah, so I'm so, not sure what he was even So clearly, clearly age is already affecting him so, early yeah. Yeah, on. I think so, yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, I mean, when you came in today and you asked me if I'd watched that, et cetera, and then talked about how old I am compared to that, I, my reaction was, Jeff, get off my lawn.
0: That's what I should have said. That, that should have been my yes. only video response yep. was, yep. Jeff, get off my lawn. Um, especially because my lawn is rocks. And uh, if you walk across the rocks, it messes everything up, which, is, which I've done while loading the unit. Anyways, okay, so much for the un, unserious stuff. Uh, you know, There's going to be people going, oh, I can't believe you're wasting my time. <clears throat> okay, fine. You all go start your own uh, webcast and do that. Right, right now it's sixty-one point four percent for the dividing line to thirty-eight point six percent for Apologia. So with twenty-two hours left. So, like I said, whichever way you vote, I'm I'm gonna win. <laughs> just, there's no way around it. That's that's how how it works. So anyhow, all right. Shifting gears here, uh, real quickly, just in passing. Oh. I I have to confess that the thought keeps crossing my mind as just, just as a plain old Christian person, just how much exposure is wise to the insane rebellion that mankind is engaged with in Western culture right now. I don't want to become one of those people that just becomes jaded to it that you just you just it's just part of life and you don't even give thought to it any longer i don't think that's I don't think that's good I don't think that's proper um but just before the program started, I saw something where that Dylan Mulvaney guy that Matt Walsh had gone after and Matt Walsh was right he was right about everything he said was right um but that guy was on with Drew Barrymore. And boy, has she changed. Um, and you, you're, just, you're just looking at this caricature, this... How can women not recognize what a... And I think most women do. I'll be honest with you. I think the vast majority of women are actually, internally, anyways, offended when men dressed as women, who pretend to be women, are uh, giving are, are being given awards for Women of the Year and all the rest of this kind of stuff, I think a lot of I think most women are offended when young men are allowed to compete as women, and of course win right, left, and center in. Uh, Athletic events and 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 that kind of stuff, I think they are offended. But today you're not allowed to say anything about it. You're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to say anything about it, um, because you will you will suffer, because today you must celebrate the utter violation of God's created order. It it is it is the new dogma of the West to celebrate sexual perversity and anything that makes a mockery of god's created work that's you've just got to celebrate it's it's good stuff and it it just it wears on you it it wears on your soul it wears on on your outlook you have to you have to work harder to see the beauty in the world when you're constantly having to look around the ugliness and we 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 can't lose the joy and the peace that's promised to us by constant exposure to this kind of stuff. But it's all around us. The president, this interview comes out yesterday, I think. And he seemed lucid. He he was on his meds for this one, which means he really is sold out to this perversity. Now, that's different Joe Biden than the Joe Biden of only 10, 15 years ago. We 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 know that. But of course we we know Joe Biden has never been an honest man. He has he has been a a joke as far as integrity is concerned from the beginning. And why are people allowed to do that? Because voters will keep putting them in, because they give them things that voters want. It's the corruption comes from the people. A corrupt people will have corrupt leaders. It doesn't come from the top down, it comes from the bottom up. And so we are getting exactly what we deserve. I mean, with this banking crisis going on, isn't it great to have people that inspire confidence and control? No, the people in control are the people that are causing it. They inspire zero confidence. I have, I don't have the slightest bit of confidence. These people will not continue to do things to make everything a whole lot worse because that's what they want. They want to tear it all down, burn out, down, great reset, uh, digital money, uh, enslave everybody. That's literally that is literally what they want they want you to be completely under their control because they think they're the only people that can that are smart enough to do everything tyranny is is not around tyranny is not on the horizon uh it's in the house it's in the senate it's in the white house it's in the state houses it's all around us oh yeah and it doesn't matter whether you have a d or an r The, the d's the D's have this stuff stenciled on their brain. Uh, but the R's are doing it because that's where they get their money. So they they lack a, a worldview uh, to stand up to this stuff. The vast majority of them. There's thankfully one or two still running around out there that have been consistent for a long time. But they're in the very, 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 very small minority. Um, so I seriously am thinking about... And I haven't come to conclusions where I'd share them with you, but how do you remain aware and hence relevant without simply burdening yourself into spiritual depression? I bet you I'm not the only one thinking these things, am I? No, I think we're all thinking about it. Um, I think we're all, I'm just being honest that I, I just don't know how You can be constantly exposed to this wanton rebellion without becoming jaded toward it. And there are directions I don't want to go. You know, I see, you know, I don't want to become a person who is utterly unmarked by grace. So how do you, how do you avoid that? Uh, It's a challenge. It is a challenge. And it is, this is why you can't, you can't be a Lone Ranger Christian. You need to be in a church. You need to have iron sharpening iron and you have to, you have to keep your eyes toward the future um, or things will go all cattywampus. Okay. Now <clears throat> I mentioned on the last dividing line, which was in the new RV. I was up in uh, Prescott Valley, Arizona. Didn't mention that at the time, but that's where it was a uh, beautiful area. And um, gr- I mentioned when I pulled in, I I called Rich because Rich is from Prescott, not Prescott Valley, but Prescott. In fact, Prescott Valley would have been founded. I think it's said 1960 something. Yeah, um, in that area, yeah, Dewey Humboldt, that whole area. It's it's a beautiful area, but unfortunately, it's just filling up with houses, um, development. That that wide open area just isn't there anymore. And, um, but, anyways, that's where we were. And I mentioned at that time that I had uh, listened to, at least I listened to the, the opening statements and, and rebuttals uh, and into the cross examination. So, most, most of the debate between Gavin Ortland and Trent Horn on Sola Scriptura. Well, here's another Sola Scriptura debate. How many has that made? I don't know. But from what they're saying, this is pretty much going to be all they're going to be debating. There was a um, there was a follow up video. Let me see if I closed it. Yeah, I did, but I should be able to pull it up quick enough. Um, there was a follow up video that was done. It was sort of a a uh, post debate debriefing, sola scriptura debate debrief. With Swan Sona, um, the Trent Horn did, it's in on his the Council of Trent uh, YouTube page. And I listened to, it's only 40 minutes, less than 40 minutes long. I listened to that, and I said, man, there is so much in this that needs to be addressed. Some of you who are fairly new to the program, and I, when I say fairly new, I mean... 2015 something like that onwards so uh large portion of the audience uh, from the 90s well into the 2000s we were very very much uh focused on well we, Mormonisms where we started Jehovah's witnesses Roman Catholicism then 2006, branched out into uh, Islam. And of course, through all of that, we've been dealing with textual critical issues, inerrancy, inspiration, transmission of text of Scripture, consistency of text of Scripture, all these types of things. And <clears throat> so, the subject of Roman Catholicism is a subject that we have addressed on this program. Um, and though, if we hopefully do get to do something where we have a truly searchable archive of the dividing line that would only go back to like 98. Is that about the, is that about where we our archives are right now? As far as sermon audio about 98, 98 ish. I think it's about the earliest. Yeah. But, but not in the sense of 98, 98 for the dividing line. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Um you will you will see that we have gone deeply into you know when uh, there is one year there was only about 6 months between when we did a debate with Sungenis and the debate with Staples uh, on papal infallibility. Interestingly enough on the opposite opposite ends of the of the country. Florida and California, um, and got very different defenses of papal infallibility, by the way, which was itself interesting. But we, you know, would go through seasons where there would be extensive discussions of uh, Pope Honorius's letter to Sergius, where he's very friendly toward monothelitism, and that results in, for 400 years after Honorius, when you ascended the papal throne, you anathematized, as a heretic, Pope Honorius of Rome. And that raises all sorts of questions, but one of the main things we've focused on over the years is that at the time, of Honorius being the Bishop of Rome, you could not have known that for the next 400 years he would be anathematized as a heretic. You could not have known that. So what good is papal infallibility if while you're alive, it means nothing to you? It's only relevant in hindsight. And even then it's not really relevant when you think about it. Um, Because... The if you truly embrace the ultimate epistemological authority of the Bishop of Rome and the teaching magisterium of the Roman Catholic Church, however you define that, and in today's context with Francis, that means a lot. Even if you accept that, that changes over time. Francis has demonstrated to us that what is taught by the magisterium today and i'm not just talking about words and formulations but what they actually mean in connection with one another what is what would be taught for example about the nature of scripture in the papal biblical commission today is not what was taught 100 years ago 150 years ago 200 years ago it's not so it changes Which means, you know, it it just reminds me, I I remember even during John Paul II, I had um, put up a a contrast between Unum Sanctum, I think, and one of John Paul II's encyclicals. And it had been Bob Sogenis that had said, but you don't get to interpret what either one of them means. The church interprets that. So the church can look back at Unum Sanctum and what it meant back then, who cares? In fact, you can't know. Only the church can know. So the church can just simply interpret anything in any fashion it so pleases. And so there's there, you know, there's sola ecclesia, there's there's the ultimate authority of the church, and there's there's really no reason even to be debating this. And so at the beginning. Of that video. I was gonna, I'm not sure if, do I still have it? I don't think I have it queued up to that. No, I have it queued up to something else. Right at the beginning, Trent Horn talks about how he won't debate things that are too far from us, like the Immaculate Conception. He says, because it all comes back to ultimate authorities, anyways. So I guess that's the only thing to debate. Uh, Rome, Rome will not defend. Its own statements, its own authoritative statements, because, hey, we have the ultimate authority to sell all these things, so that's the only subject that we have to debate. We can Who cares if you can demonstrate that the Immaculate Conception is a non-apostolic, ahistorical, speculative fiction. We've said it's true, and since we win the epistemological debate, it's true. We don't have to worry about history. don't have to worry about apostles. We don't have to worry about everything that's been claimed in the past. I, I was I was like, so, so you won't debate things other than just this one subject. And even then, you're not making a positive case. It's just a default case. Well, it's not solo scriptura, so therefore it's us. That's what you're reduced to. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, Fascinating. A little different than what I saw in this discussion is a fundamental departure from Catholic Answers circa 1980s, 1990s. Now Catholic Answers circa 2020s is definitely going a different direction and is still doing some of the same things. It was really, really funny. And I will have to play this, but I'll just mention it in passing. Uh, Trent complained that, um, well, you have to avoid the the Protestant trap of of being asked to explain these difficult developments of doctrine over time in a debate. That's a Protestant trap. (laughs) The Roman Catholic debating trap and trick that they have used since the first debate I did with them in 1990, and they were using it before that, when they were debating Calvary Chapel pastors and stuff like that, and have continued using it for decades, is when things aren't going well for you in your debate, throw the cannon out and expect the Protestant to answer it in 60 seconds. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. They know they do it, they they train each other to do it and then complain. If the Protestant goes, Well, wait a minute, you're telling us you've got infallible authority, but you've said this, and the example that they were using was it is self-evident that the Roman Catholic Magisterium has supported and in fact demanded the use of capital punishment in the past, even for heresy. And now Pope Francis changes the Universal Catholic catechism. To be against capital punishment, okay? There has been they want to call that this is doctrinal development. <laughs> it's called contradiction, <laughs> okay? It's it's a fallible source pretending to be infallible. Um, but they won't even go there. Oh, that's just a just just a development of doctrine. Uh, just slap some Newman on it. <laughs> that's how. Slap some Newman on it. That's 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 that's, that's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. So anyway, all of that, uh, like I said, there is a lot in here that I think is fascinating. And as I pointed out on the last program, I get the feeling that a lot of our regular listeners sort of tune out on certain subjects. And I've tried, I make every effort, I really do make every effort to... Connect all the dots as best I can when we're teaching on specific subjects. So when dealing with uh, when dealing with Islam, obviously you have to deal with sufficiency of scripture and transmission issues and canonization issues and you know all sorts of top, top, topics like that that have relevance to other groups that you might be more interested in maybe you don't feel like you're ever going to run into a muslim or something like that which is i guess in some places in the united states uh, possible but in reality you're, you're going to one way or the other and it seems to me that over the years when we've dealt with roman catholicism a lot of people have sort of tuned out or they only listened with half an ear or they listened to the first half and said "Uh, okay that's a little bit too much detail for me i'm gonna i'm gonna tune out now uh, I don't want to offend my Aunt Harriet, who's Roman Catholic, or something along those lines. I don't know. But hopefully what you're seeing is that many of the issues we are dealing with in Reformdom today are going back to Sola Scriptura. And what does that mean? What is Biblicism? What's Reformed Biblicism? What's the relationship of tradition and Scripture? We've been dealing with stuff for a long, long time a long, long time. And it's really self-evident to me that a lot of Reformed Baptists, a lot of Presbyterians have just simply dismissed Rome, put that out to the side, and that results in you being a Protestant of taste rather than conviction. And that's a dangerous place to be in. Dangerous place to be in. And so as we dig into this stuff, you're going to see there's all sorts of relevance to. The conversations we are having right now in how we define our faith and how we defend our faith and how we present our faith and what the foundation of our faith is. Um, you can't understand, you know, I've, I've got the new exposition of the London Baptist Confession of Faith in 1689 over there. Um, and there are so many, both in Westminster and in, in London Baptist, where very plainly, Rome's perspectives are what's in the background. You are expected to know them to know why what's being said is being said. When when talking about the Lord's Supper and you're talking about not being a propitiatory sacrifice and not a representation, there's a reason why that's there. It's because that's what Rome is teaching, and many of your people are former Roman Catholics, so you have to have that as a background. So anyway. Um, I can, I can maximize this screen here. Um, here is a section that I, I even made notes when I first listened to it, that we needed to cover this. And so I wanted to, I want to talk, and I talked a little bit about on the last program. I'm not just going to repeat myself. We're going to go a little bit more in depth here, but here is, um, well, on the last program, I just summarized what they were saying. Let's listen to what Trent Horn says here and think about it. Okay, here we go. So I think
2: that's the key point to, to get at the argument that he's saying, I guess two, I guess I have just two other things and then your thoughts would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, the other main argument he made a lot was the Matthew 15 and the Korban rule, yeah. which is a very cl- common Protestant argument to say, look, Jesus compared tradition to scripture we should do the same. He only held Scripture as the infallible rule of faith, and I wasn't sure how this argument was going to go because I'd never used it before. Mm. But my reply was that
0: Jesus is not talking about Scripture. Mm. Okay, <clears throat> all right. Jesus is not talking about Scripture. Um, let's deal with that one first. Let's let's keep the let's keep the issues because there's a textual issue I want to get to. Uh, so let's keep these these um, separate uh, from each other so that we don't have any extra um, confusion here. The Korban rule discussion is found two different places. It's found in Mark 7 and in Matthew chapter 15. Um, and what's interesting is, I I could be wrong, but my recollection is, that Gavin focused on Mark. And here, Trent focuses on Matthew. We're going to see what the reason is um, in a moment. And I think you'll find it to be intriguing. Uh, I should still have uh, Matthew here. Yeah. Here's the Matthew 15. And here's here's the, the issue. Matthew 15, 3, He answered and said to them, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, and then I've got the LSB here, and the LSB continues the NASB use of all caps for what you see over here in the Greek is in uh, italics, which are Old Testament citations, which I think is a very good thing to do. Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death. So, what do you have here? You have Paradisin Humon, your tradition for the sake of dia. And then why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God? Ento Lane to theu? Now, again, keep something in mind. For Greek-speaking Jews, the Greek Septuagint is their copy of the scriptures. And the 119th Psalm already exists. And when you go into the 119th Psalm, you will find the author racking for him the Hebrew language, and hence the translators I'm trying to follow that, for all the different words, for commandment and word and testimony and all this Language, poetic language to talk about God's revelation primarily to the people of Israel at that point in time. But it's God's commandments, God's law, God's word. And the the author of the 119th Psalm would have only had a, a portion of what we have, would have had the Pentateuch. But it was a written reality. And you can see the exalted nature of this scripture, which is still being written. I mean, the 119th Psalm is a part of that. So, commandment of God, you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sacred tradition. Where is this commandment found? For ha-gar-theos-ipen. For God said, not for Moses wrote, or as critical. See, keep something in mind here, folks. The critical scholarship that it seems Trent is becoming somewhat enamored with, and certainly the critical scholarship that marks the Papal Biblical Commission, do not believe that Moses wrote those words. They don't believe that. That's the vast majority of Roman Catholic scholarship and Protestant scholarship. Because Protestant is just really broad term, isn't it? I mean, you can find anything under either banner on this issue. Either banner. Um, here's, here's, again, the consistency of Jesus' view of Scripture. For God said... And then you quote from scripture. And these books had already been laid up in the temple 200 years before this happened. They're already considered to have made the hands dirty, unclean, not dirty, unclean. That means they were holy. Um, these are the scriptures that are, that are in the box next to Moses' seat in the, th- in the synagogue. When Jesus is handed the scroll of Isaiah, it comes from that box the people he's speaking to know what he's talking about. He's quoting from Scripture. For God said, honor your father and mother, and you who speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, whoever says this to his father and mother, whatever you might benefit from me is given to God. That is Korban, that's where you're going to see that in Mark. He need not honor his father. By this you invalidated... Tan logon to The Word of God. Diatain Paradasin humon for the sake of your tradition. So what is Tan logon to theu? What has Jesus just quoted from? The scriptures. The scriptures. The Word of God. That's what it says. Right? So it doesn't take A rocket scientist, it just takes a consistent exegete to go, what you have here is a reference to what had already been written down 1,400 years earlier, had been laid up in the temple as sacred scripture, was known to everyone Jesus is talking to as scripture, the very law of God. And he's saying, you are invalidating, you're setting aside the Word of God for the sake of your tradition. That was a tradition, which, by the way, as we've mentioned over and over again, it's in tractate of both. Look it up in the Mishnah. It's all available online these days. Boy, it's a whole lot easier to do that today. Back in my day, (laughs) when I was debating these things with the Catholic Answers, I had to go buy the Mishnah. (laughs) It's still, What? Oh, we're just old. Yeah, yeah. That's why you need to vote for apologia. We're just old. <laughs> um, tractate of both. The Korban rule. It comes down from Moses outside of scripture in the oral tradition. It is very much the same process that is claimed for the oral traditions of Rome. And Jesus says, you set aside the word of God. For the sake of your commandment, the uh, sake of your tradition, sake of your traditions. Now, is this not the word of God? Is that not what this is about? Well, we just demonstrated that it is, but let's, this is, this is, you'll see, especially why I caught this um, and why I want to talk about this, because this is sort of something we do on this program fairly regularly let's uh let's continue on
2: he's not to, and we have no reason either he's not or we have no reason to believe he is because the phrase word of god mm. is almost or possibly always in the in the bible it's never used to describe just a written text it's used to describe prophetic utterances apostolic preaching mm. so what i would say here what jesus is saying is that your traditions violate what god told moses mm. that yeah. it's not about Hey, your
0: traditions violate the written word of God. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Now, j- just think with me a second. How do they know what God told Moses? What did Jesus quote from? Every single one of the Jews he's talking to had been in synagogue the preceding Saturday, and right up there next to the seat of Moses, and in, depending on the synagogue you're in very fancy containers, less fancy containers, sort of dependent on where you were, there were the scrolls. And the scrolls had been opened. And the words of Moses had been read. From what? From the scrolls. From the scripture. Not from an oral tradition that could be evolving and changing over time, but from the scriptures. And Jesus called this the word of God. You invalidate the word of God for the sake of your traditions. There's the standard. You test anything that's called tradition by the word of God, which is not just some oral thing. It's something that is known because it's in
2: scriptural form. God told Moses this. Yeah. That's what should really matter in how you interpret things. Mm. And that's why I said in the debate, especially in Matthew, if you're pinning it on what Matthew... Did you catch that? I want you to catch this
0: because this can go by quick, especially in Matthew. I wonder why he was going to Matthew because my recollection was, my recollection clearly was that he, that uh, Gavin had focused on Mark. So I was like, why, why go to Matthew? We're all about to find out together. He
2: says, where Jesus says, you leave void the word of God. Mm-hmm. The manuscripts are divided on that. Yeah. Because there's manuscripts where it says the entole totheo, the commandment of God, or the nomon, the, the law of God, mm-hmm. is what you contradict, not just like the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think he was just like, no, of course he's talking about scripture. Like,
0: oh, there's a, there's a textual variant. Mmm. Okay. Well, if you were looking at accordance here when it was up, uh here in Matthew chapter 15, right there, there is a textual variant. And you have uh ton lagon to theu, the word of God, and ton lagon, there's a variant. The variant's up in the right-hand corner. I'm sorry it says small, but you really can not see it. Uh you have Tain and Tulane, the commandment, and you also have Tan-Naman, so the law of God is the original, and then you'll notice uh, the original reading of Sinaiticus, that's what the asterisk is, and then 2b, which means there's been a, there's been a number of uh, corrections at that point as to which, because uh, down below you see text for Sinaiticus is 2a so you you have namon and logon both in Sinaiticus, depending on which corrector you're you're looking at which hand of the corrector um the text is Sinaiticus, vaticanus uh d theta 579 uh clearly uh it's a, it's a foundation of the latin which should say something for roman catholics we'll have to do a show pretty soon on uh, Sixtus is infallible Vulgate. The defense of the Latin as the final authority for years and years and years, which Rome, of course, has changed and abandoned. Uh, it's the origination of all the Syriac uh, translations. Uh, uh, Coptic, it's found in Irenaeus, Eusebius, so on and so forth. But uh, you do have, for example, Family 13 has Tan-Naman. Uh, Entele seems to be a primarily uh, Byzantine uh, reading. So you've got the majority text. Some of the Latins, uh, the uh, Her- Harkley and Syriac, family one. Uh, so you do have, that's under Entele. Uh, Naaman is just, Syriac is at family 13 and a few others. Uh, Entele is the uh, Byzantine one. So anyway, uh, so you, you have a variant. Now, first of all, one of the things that's surprising to me, there's nothing new about, um, for example, Horn was using the book. I didn't bring it in with me, uh, but looking at what Nustos means. And he just throws out there this idea that, well, it means life-giving. And again, as I pointed out, once you look at the source, um, the interpretation of the lexical data is clearly impacted by the fact that the author does not believe that Paul wrote these words. Um, That second Timothy is a forgery and uh, hence cannot be connected to the rest of Pauline vocabulary. And historically, It's very important for us to realize that much of what, for example, uh, Turretin, Owen, the men in that that time period, much of what they are emphasizing when they are defending the Greek originals and things like that was against the Jesuits. It was against the Counter-Reformation. The Jesuit Counter-Reformation attacked the validity of the scriptures, and they did so purposefully they did so to emphasize the absolute necessity of the church over the scriptures. So they attacked the perspicuity and even being able to... Now, of course, initially, they, they attacked the Greek on the basis of supremacy of the Latin, which they don't do any longer. That needs to be pointed out. But what was the long-term result within Roman Catholicism, of the Jesuit approach. Well, look at the Jesuits. (laughs) When you look at the original Jesuits, you know, Ignatius Loyola, if the church shall proclaim something to be black, which to our eyes appears to be white, we must believe it to be black. Okay? The church is the final authority, absolute conservatives. Who are the flaming liberals today? Who are the flaming leftists? The Jesuits. You can't play with poison without it eventually impacting you. And so the the attacks that the Jesuits made on scripture long ago eventually have led us to the place where we are now, where you look at Roman Catholic academia. And to find a conservative is to find a dinosaur. It's it. I, I can't help but f- there's a modern example of this outside of this particular co- context. That's what's happening in Mormonism. When Mormonism tried to mainstream, and they tra- they sent their young and 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 brilliant out into the world to get PhDs to come back to BYU, they brought their skepticism with them. And Joseph Smith cannot survive skepticism. The Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Progray Price cannot survive historical criticism on any level at all. And so look what's happening. And the Jesuits do this as their mechanism of apologetics and highly effective in some places. But it had the unforeseen impact of eventually undercutting the very foundations of authority within their own system. So it's fascinating to me to see Catholic answers going this direction and saying, hey, let's use this stuff out there and say, you can't really know these things. And then you could just have to default back to the authority of the church. It it doesn't end up working. They, they They haven't learned their historical lesson from the Jesuits. But there's more to it. There's more to it, and we'll 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 wrap up with this. I know it's after after a time, but it's like there's nobody banging on my door to tell me to stop. Though I do have to pick up the wife from the airport eventually. Um, I remember I I kept going. Well, okay, yeah. There there's a variant at Matthew fifteen six. Word of God. Uh, okay. But you go to Mark 7 and you scroll down here. And Jesus, why do you, you know why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with defiled hands? He said to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, their heart is far from me, but in vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines and commandments of men. So again, we have quotation of Scripture, well-recognized Scripture. Remember, that's the scroll of Isaiah that's handed to Jesus. So, leaving, go down here, so verse 8 is, it's literally abandoning. Uh, abandoning the command, the commandment of God. So, to tu theu, you hold to the traditions of men. So there you have your, your, uh, your contrast, and there's no variant there. There is a gar, but that's not going to change the meaning of the phrase. He goes on to say, and he was also saying to them, you are good at setting aside the commandment of men, the command of God, and to lay again, no, no variants, in order that you might keep your traditions. For Moses said, and now here we have, now, this is another one of those situations where very often when Mark and Matthew give the same story, Mark goes into more detail than Matthew does. Now, Matthew gives all the teachings of Jesus that Mark doesn't, but that's, that's why. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks of evil of father and mother is to be put to death. That's the exact, those are the exact same quotations from Matthew chapter 15. But you say, if a man says to his father, his mother, whatever you might benefit from me is korban, that is given to God. You, know, you no longer leave him to do anything for his father or his mother. Thus, here's verse 13, thus invalidating ton logon to you invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down. This is a very technical term for which you have traditioned. Parodidomy. But notice something. Invalidating Tan logon to Theu. Um, hmm. The Aland doesn't list any variants at verse 13. It's just the word of God. Huh. So you have in the synoptics the same event, the same story, and in Matthew, you have a variant, but in Mark, you don't, which is why Trent Horn left Mark and went to Matthew to sow the doubt about what's being said, because you can't do that in Mark because there's no variant. Hmm. And wouldn't Mark 7.13 cast some light on the proper variant in Matthew, which which is the text reading as it is, is time Lagon, But wouldn't that cast some light upon that as well? It seems that Jesus did refer to the word of God and that he did say that that word of God, which is plainly exegetically in the context, the written scriptures he just quoted from the law of Moses and said, you invalidate the word of God by your tradition. The only way to therefore recognize that tradition so we don't invalidate the word of God is to test anything that is called tradition by what is objectively already in our possession, which is called the scriptures, the word of God. So that's why he had to go from Matthew, from Mark to Matthew. That's the only way to sow the doubt based upon a textual variant. There you go. I, I wondered at the time when I was listening, but I, I wasn't in a situation where I could stop and do stuff and things like that. So there's much more, much, much more in that, um, to be, to be considered because I really, really think that we are getting a, um, we're getting an insight. I think that I think means everything. Um, if what we're what we're hearing is we're not going to debate our positive claims we're not going to do that we've got one debate we'll do and we will only debate issues relating to sola scriptura sounds like maybe the canon in some sense but again it's the same same thing um you know when we've debated the apocrypha in the past You'll remember um, Gary Machuda, when I pointed out an error in an apocryphal work, just a historical blunder, he was like, well, that's how atheists argue. One of the things we're going to deal with, because it was in this video, is if you dare point out the many, many contradictions in the... Traditions that have been, that have come down to us over the past. Somehow that means you're arguing like an atheist. I think that is one of the most foolish, epistemologically confused. You've really got to really be- want to believe this stuff to accept this kind of argumentation. I've ever, it's one of the worst arguments Catholic Answers has ever put out there. I am stunned. I am really stunned at how often I'm hearing it. It is embarrassing. It is embarrassing for Catholic Answers to be even contemplating. We won't defend anything we believe because we're the ultimate authority and you can't interpret any of this stuff anyways. And you don't want to sound like an atheist, do you? Really? That's, that's supposed to be a weighty argument. Well, we will definitely spend some time taking that one apart. Let me just refresh a, a page here real quick. I'm not sure why it's taking forever to refresh. Oh, something went wrong. Oh, are we having any problems with the? Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't. Okay, it came back. Okay, we had we had a hiccup. Had a hiccup. You can even have a hiccup when you're sitting in the, in the studio. Um. Uh. Dividing on at 61.1 and apology at 38.9. So it's, it's tightening up a little bit. It's tightening up a little bit. I I think there are many of you out there that are, are going, well, I have a pink tie. (laughs) I told Jeff earlier, I said, only reason you're catching up is you're getting the pink tie vote. (laughs) So yeah, there you go. Anyways. So like I said, much more from that video in the morning, in the morning, uh, In the future, I think, because, um, these are important issues. These are vitally important issues. Um, and let me do one more thing before rich starts the music. Um, I saw you reaching up there. I I always know when you're reaching for, for cutting everything where are we, are we still okay? No. Okay. All right. All right. We're, we're, this'll be posted. Eventually. It may not be live right now. Um, I posted, uh, I preached Sunday night at Apologia, and I preached on the biblical testimony to the beautiful relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit that's given to us in Scripture. And I did so in contrast to what happens when you run biblical revelation through man's philosophical meat shredder. There is no philosophical system known to man that is big enough to deal with the glory of the triune God. And when you insist upon utilizing those parameters so that you become uncomfortable with the literal interaction between the divine persons, when you become uncomfortable with the Son, considering the equality he has with God the Father. Which is not something that the Father does. The Father doesn't consider the equality he has with himself. And if he considers the equality he has with the Son, that's a different thing than than considering the equality that the Son has with the Father. It almost seems to me that once you grab hold of a Thomistic simplicity concept, not a not a biblical simplicity, not one you can defend biblically, but one that is meant to keep Aristotle happy, and you start going this direction, you end up with the uh, modalistic, you know traces of the modes of the subsistences stuff of philosophical speculation, and philosophical theology, and you rob the people of God. No one has ever written, and oh, please, someone's going to run off and get AI to do this. I can just, I, I can see it now. But in the past, no one has ever written a hymn praising the traces of modal subsistences in the revelation of add extra activities of God. No one's ever done that. But we've written lots of them in praise of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and of blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly places with spiritual blessings, and being in Christ, and all things summed up in Him, and the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be... We've all we sing praises to that all the time, but not to the philosophical speculations. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And so, uh, if you go to Apologia, Apologia's YouTube page, yeah, I think you have to click on live uh, because it was live streamed. Um, but um, catch the sermon and see what I had to say, and maybe why. I had to say it, and um, that was for us, but hopefully it'll be helpful to other people as well. Thanks for watching the program today. We will see you next time on The Dividing Line. God bless.